Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. It is Think Tank Thursday. Patrick Ishmael is going to be with us from the Show Me Institute one hour from now. And uh, we will talk about this social-emotional learning standard. Uh, apparently, uh, the state is walking away from it. Uh, there is significant opposition. Uh, we'll find out what it's about. He'll be with us one hour from now. Could affect your kids. Uh, Jim Babka may or may not be with us. We're, <laughs> we're not entirely sure. He's actually uh, uh, attending an event uh, and uh, might not be available. But not to worry because we do have Ron Calzone and he wants to talk about uh, of speakers and men, like of mice and men. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, we do have a new Speaker of the House. What does that mean for you? Well, we're going to kick that around with Kevin Jackson, the KevinJacksonNetwork.com. Kevin, welcome. How are you this morning? Doing good, man. Good to talk to you. Yeah, of course it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Vanity, my name is Nolan. Uh, well, we got a new Speaker of the House. And yeah, I'm John guessing Johnson. He's, he's to your liking. Out of Louisiana, he is. He is to my liking. And it isn't so much that we, you know, map across all the different areas. It's that I think it actually speaks to what's going on around the country, which is people are sick of the same old, same old. And here's a guy that's, you know, firmly uh, conservative. And, of course, you know, everybody, you know, he's Trump, Trump, Trump. No, he's not. He's for what he believes is right. So he's a pro-life guy. He he believes that January 6th was a joke. He believes that uh, Joe Biden was cheated into office. Uh, you know, I mean, he believes what the majority of America believes or is beginning to discover. So, yeah, I think it's a great choice. And he came out of nowhere. You know, it isn't one of these guys that's been, you know, trying to make it, you know, and fighting his way to the top like McCarthy and kissing butt. For decades to get to that he's a guy that just they oh where'd he come from so yeah i like i like a lot of elements of it that doesn't mean we're gonna like everything he does no but i do politics. like the way that he he's risen what uh, what does this uh you know he, he's got this list of things that the republicans need to accomplish did you get a look at it i haven't seen that no what do you want them to accomplish now that we've got a speaker of the house republicans are still in control of the house what do you want them to go after first? I want them to stand on principle. I want them to go after the crooked DOJ. I want them to, I mean, we could get into policy positions, but our positions are bigger than policy. Policy is not going to change until we change the way D.C. operates. And what I want them to do is I want them to enforce the laws on the books. And I'm talking about what's happening in immigration, this invasion. I don't know if you've seen it, but New Yorkers are across the board are livid. Republicans, independents, and Democrats universally, at, by majority, say that that's one of their major problems. And they're just starting to experience that because of the stuff that's, that's happening. But look at the ancillary problems that come from that. You know, the overcrowded schools, overcrowded hospitals, people uh, on the public dole. So, you know, that would be a major thing to address, the actual laws of the land. I want Biden impeached. I mean, we just got more information where the FBI, I think it was, what, 40 different people raised red flags about the Biden family? How many red flags does it take to impeach this crook and, and, his, and his family of crooks? So, you know, how about we enforce the rule of law? How about we clean up the DOJ 
and where people can actually believe in this this constitutional republic again. And and the other thing is, again, when you look at policy, look at the education system and how it's been dumbed down and degraded and racialized, et cetera. How about we really look at all of these different so-called government institutions, which, by the way, do have institutional racism, but it's institutional racism from the other side. How about we look at that? You know, every element of government needs to be looked at, but from a completely different vantage point. And look, uh, Venezuela just, uh, I, I don't know if he made it. I know the election was the other day, but Milley got elected. And this guy was a Trump guy. He loves Donald Trump. He, I mean, look across the, the world, and you're seeing leaders that are following the Trump doctrine. And what they're following isn't Donald Trump, per se. They're following a guy that says, I'm going to take the system, and I'm going to turn it on its head, because that system is not working for the American people. Hyperinflation is what we're going to experience. I mean, we're already close to it. We've got massive inflation. But we're, I mean, if we keep going this way, we're going to be in three wars in three different theaters. I mean, we're already deploying Marines into uh, the the, uh, Persian Gulf. I mean, what's next? We've got a proxy war in Ukraine. We're, we're effectively fighting a proxy war with Israel, and we're about to enter another one against Iran. I mean, everybody's licking their chops on America right now. Do you think that we should back out of, uh, which ones do you think we should back out of? We definitely should be out of Ukraine. We, unquestionably, we have no affinity there. We should, I don't, personally, I think that we need to look at all of them, but you do want to support your partner in the Middle East because if you allow for the expansion of Hamas and for terror, that will leak over into this. Ukraine, there's no dog in the fight for us. We, we, we theoretically are not even supposed to expand NATO based on the, the uh, breakup of the Soviet Union. We, by, by treaty, can't do that. And we're, we're fighting to do it. We're actually breaking international law by doing what we're doing in Ukraine. So Putin's right on this issue, and most people don't want to know it because Putin's evil. That's what we're told. But everybody's evil. We're evil. Trump's evil. The Tea Party was evil. I'm beginning to think evil is good. Except for so, me. But you, and, and as you far make as Iran a, goes, I mean, they never should have been, their, their money shouldn't have been released, the sanctions should have remained in place, and we certainly shouldn't be in a theater threatening, you know, where I think they said we've had 80 attacks and we've only responded four times since Biden's been in office. And in the, from, I think from the last week or eight days, over an eight-week period, we had something like 20 U.S. Uh, embassies or U.S. You know, installations of some sort attacked with no response. Well, you know, this, this it, it's really complex because, in my opinion, we shouldn't be there to begin with. But we are there, and those uh, brave men and women are vulnerable. The president comes out and makes a speech and said, don't. I mean, yeah, don't. Uh, and then they do, yeah, and really then he doesn't do anything. Uh, and what are we, you know, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to start bombing Iran? Um, Again, that Iran's in a perfect position to take advantage of us because we've got two wars going on. One that, both of which, by the way, Biden started. 
uh, he started Ukraine by allowing Russia to go in. But when they should have negotiated with Putin to begin with, and he went to the U.N. and said, look, uh, Donbass is really Russia. So just let's let us have it. They could have easily negotiated that. Then we get Biden fueling the the uh, terror attack on Israel, and he's doing it with a country that has, that essentially says death to America. And now he wants to get into the fray. So the, the knucklehead goes on TV and says, "Oh, surely we can fight two two different wars on two different fronts. We're America, man. As if that's supposed to be a you know our cheerleader is we're America. We're America doesn't mean that." We, we should be going out, starting fights, and in and, and multiple theaters. And let me tell you, what's next? It, will China invade Taiwan? I mean, I, I keep, we keep bringing these same things up. But here's what I can tell you with certainty. And, and we talked about this last week. You disagree. We wouldn't be in these wars if it weren't for Don, if, if Donald Trump were president. And the reason why I know it is because when Donald Trump was president, we weren't in these wars. And I don't think that we would be in them now. Well, isn't that like saying, well, no, I'm not going to go into it. I just, we've got the worst possible person in charge at the White House, no matter what. Uh, I mean, this guy is so stupid. He is so mindless that he's actually now reading punctuation marks. Yeah. And and And, and here's what's bad about that, Gary. There are people that still want him in office. Now, we all know Gavin Newsom's being positioned. That's why he went to shake hands with Xi and went to Israel, because they want him to be the next heir apparent. And, and he, he, if there's a God in heaven, we won't have a Democrat as president for, for some years now. Because what we're witnessing is the absolute dichotomy between competence and and complete abject incompetence. And anybody that wants, you can argue with me about, I don't like Donald Trump, you can call me a Trumpster or whatever. What I will tell you is the previous president, you can insert whatever name you want, he was effective in keeping inflation down, bringing manufacturing back, spurring the economy and growth in the economy, getting the consumer in uh, confidence index high, keeping our bond ratings high, keeping our interest rates low. I could go down the list of the things that this guy did that improved this country. And now we have a clown in office who reads punctuation marks. And this guy is starting war after war after war. Think about this. They called Donald Trump a warmonger when this man was in office. And he did not fight one war. He was getting us out of Afghanistan. And we did not lose one serviceman on his watch in, in terms of a war. So this is what we've gone from and to. We are in a state of absolute emergency in America and around the world because as America goes, so the world goes. And we, to your point, we've got a moron who, by the way, is a pathological liar and who is corrupt to his rotten core running this government, and he was put there in a coup. Everybody involved in this food chain should be uh, tried for treason. By the way, uh, in case you think we're kidding about him reading punctuation, listen. And you know that old remembrance promise, at the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them, period. I mean... Joe Biden, look, I, uh, as I said, if, if you're a Joe Biden supporter, if you voted for him, if you were one of the 40 million plus that voted for him or one of the 41 million dead people or bots, you should be ashamed of yourselves. 
and anybody that's currently supporting him in a continuation of this, you're, th- this is beyond politics. Because here's what I would tell you, Gary, and I, I believe most people would say this. If Barack Obama had performed like Donald Trump, I'd say I would admit it. I'd say the guy was an amazing president. I've been saying this about Clinton. I said, you know what, in retrospect, Bill Clinton was an amazing president. You take out the Lewinsky thing, this guy did a lot during that period. That was one of the most successful periods in American history. I'm, not, I'm willing to say that about Bill Clinton. And I'd say it about Obama if he did it. I'd say it about uh, uh, Biden if he did it. But they're not doing it. They, these are two of the worst presidents in our history. They have literally changed the course of American history, and not for the better. All right. And we are we've, we've, we're infiltrated by by people that don't that want to do us harm, and we are they're ruining this country, and we got to put a stop to it. All right, we've got a new speaker of the house. We've got an incredible problem with debt, and an incredible problem with spending. The question is: the House of Representatives that control the purse strings will they successfully make a real dent in any of that? We'll find out what Kevin Jackson thinks. In just a few minutes on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. It's 923 on a Think Tank Thursday. And uh, we've got Kevin Jackson, the Kevin Jackson Network, uh, on on the program. And we've now got a new Speaker of the House. And he is a conservative, at least by, you know, by definition. Uh, And we've got incredibly uh, massive debt and ongoing spending at a huge rate. And one of the problems that uh, seems to be erupting in the Republican Party is they're sort of wishy-washy on fiscal issues. Well, maybe not wishy-washy. They're just spending almost as much as the Democrats, if not more. Depends on, I guess, who's in the White House. But uh, when Jim Jordan was running... You know, I thought, well, this guy's going to take the bull by the horns. The problem is most Republicans wanted to leave the big spenders in control. They don't seem to want to change things. Will this guy be able, do you think, to get the Republicans to stand, as you said, and as I've argued, on principle and actually attack the spending? Or do you think he'll be sabotaged by those moderate, middle-of-the-road neoconservatives oh yeah he'll be sabotaged i mean that's the the spirit of dc is they're going to look for ways to uh you know to, to get matt gates back and you know that's the whole thing and, and you know that's the sadly the machiavellian uh side of politics in general and the republicans go different in that regard so he's gonna have his work cut out for him but where i look we're not going to fix the problems of politics that have come slowly over the years, it's been creep. And these people have given themselves special laws, special rules, things that, you know, don't apply to them, apply to us, and we can go to jail for the things that they do. It reminds me of that scene in Casino where Al Pacino, I mean, uh, Nero says, the things I, I do here I would be in jail for if I were back home. So that's the way it is. But it's going to have to incrementally go back in the way that the biggest change to politics that's happened since the Tea Party movement is the, the MAGA movement. And that, it, if there's any indication, I mean, look at the, the election of Jeff Landry in Louisiana. 
And, I mean, again, a, a firm Trump supporter runs against 14, you know, a total of 14 people, and he gets 51.6% of the vote. Closest Democrat was just under 25%. That's the nation right there. Solidly half of this nation is for what we're doing, and 25% may be for what the stupid Democrats are doing. I just talked about Malay in, um, in Venezuela. You know, strong Trump comp- proponent. You know, fiscal responsibility. Get rid of socialism. Calls himself a a, um, a, a, a narco capitalist is, is what he says. So he's anti-government, big government, and a capitalist. He wants to bring capitalism to Venezuela. Why? Because he sees how it works in America, and that's not the only place. So we're witnessing what's happening. And uh, if the American, here's what the Republicans need to do. And I'm talking about it from an election standpoint. Everybody gets out. Trump gets his nomination, and they show solidarity. If they were to do that, they could change the political landscape forever. The problem is, and you alluded to it, it's that rhino element, that moderate element that wants to keep you know jockeying across the aisle from time to time to make themselves look good for the public. But are we going to get control of this with a new speaker? No. We're going to get control of it if the people keep showing solidarity keep showing in these polls that we're sick of this dual system of justice we're sick of these people uh that keep changing the rules for themselves and and then penalizing us and then when we pick somebody that we want to choose as a champion they target that person for destruction i mean everybody witnesses this you you cannot the good thing about donald trump is he forces you not to ignore what's really going on We'll see what they do. Kevin Jackson, the Kevin Jackson Network. Kev, thanks for being with us. All right, buddy. All right, buddy. Take care. Glad to have you on. Listen, there's been a mass shooting in Maine, and everybody is covering it. I know what's coming. I, I, it's, it's inevitable somebody is going to blame the rifle. Somebody is going to blame the Second Amendment. It's What gave just, it away? Uh, just the fact that somebody got shot. <laughs> That's all it takes. And, and they're off and running. Uh, and the guy, uh, this is going to be a particularly uh, challenging guy to take down if it comes down to it. Uh, they're all telling, uh, you know, they're all pointing out that he is a firearms trainer uh, with military background. Yep, that presents a problem. Uh, we're, in fact, waiting. There's going to be a, a police update on this. Uh, the numbers keep changing on the uh, f- uh, number of fatalities, but uh, we're hearing that at least 18 people are dead. Horrible tragedy. I can't wait. Well, actually, I can to hear what the left go after. They're not going to go after the fact that this guy had a mental problem, that none of their laws prevented any of this. They're going to go after the rifle. It's, it's, just, it's just the way they think. It's, it's like a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, it's like some, you, know, you, you, you get your, uh, uh, your funny bone hit, and the way you, that's just the way they work. They, they can't help themselves. But we'll get you up to date on what we know. Uh, he's Sergeant First Class. Um, he's not been in combat, but he's had uh, uh, training, and he is a trainer. He knows how to shoot. Going to be challenging. Walked into a bar and a bowling alley and just let loose. 
So we'll talk, we'll talk about that in the next segment of the program. And then uh, certainly on Gary on Guns on Saturday, we'll cover that as well. It's the Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show. It's 9.35 on a Think Tank Thursday. The Show Me Institute is, uh, is going to be on board. We'll talk about uh, this... Uh, well, the, I guess the uh, Missouri Department of Education is walking away from it. But what is it exactly? Social, emotional learning. Uh, we'll chat with him about that. In the meantime, we've had a mass shooting uh, in Maine. And boy, it is predictable, the response. Uh, there, There's no doubt they're going to go after AR-15s and gun control and blame that instead of the guy. They'll come up with red flag laws. So here's what we know. Um, apparently, Maine is a, a permitless carry state. I'm not sure of the intricacies of their laws. Uh, in some states, you can have permitless carry, but without a permit, you can't go into a bar, things like that, uh, that may have had some, some uh, impact on this. Uh, 15 people, maybe 20 people, I've heard uh, more or less the numbers keep changing uh, have uh, have died. They're about to have a, a news conference. We will carry that live. They know who the guy is. I've got his name. I'm not going to read it uh, because it's you know it's just not something that uh, that needs to be promoted. And of course, if you look at mainstream media, already they have sought out their their angle on this. MS, uh, no, NBC News says the family uh, and, uh, and this guy are all gun fanatics. For all intents and purposes, they're very much associated with right-wing militias. It's known in town to stay away from them and not to approach them. Um, so it's, it's going to be because the guy was or his family is a Second Amendment supporter. It's the Second Amendment. It's the gun. And I dread, every time this happens, I dread finding out what kind of firearm was used. And it appears he was using an AR-15. So they're going to attack the gun. An inanimate object that couldn't make a decision to shoot anybody on its own in a millennia, it would never have, it would never be able to. It's just a, just a, a tool. It's the hands that hold the tool that make the difference. And I'm not sure how you prevent something like this. I will, uh, I'm going to open up the phones on this one. How do you stop something like this? You know, the, the best way... Uh, I would argue, is for other people to be armed. I'm not sure what was going on, what the rules were, the bowling alley, what the rules are for uh, uh, places that serve alcohol in Maine. But how do you stop this? What, and, and here's, the, here's the, the problem is when you come up with an idea that might stop it, you end up making a whole bunch of other people vulnerable. And I don't know what the solution is. I don't know what the solution is. I know what it's not. And it's 
it's not banning semi-automatic rifles. It's not blaming the AR-15. That's what the left will do. But how do you stop a guy who just snaps and picks up what is the handiest weapon to kill? And and here's the thing. If they were to ban the AR-15, they'd, then they'd have to go after the AK-47 because that would probably be the next place they go. And there are all kinds of other semi-automatic rifles that work every bit as efficiently as the AR-15. And they'll just, you know, what you ban one, they'll move to the next. You ban the next, they'll move to another after that. I, I don't see where this is easily stopped. But if you've got an idea, by all means, go to GaryNolan.com, send me a message, or... Pick up the phone and give me a call, 800-529-5572 or 874-9390, and let me know. Uh, Mike sent me a message at GaryNolan.com. He's willing to bet $5 that both the bar and the bowling alley were gun-free zones. It wouldn't surprise me. For some reason, and I'm, I'm not sure what the logic is, state after state think... Well, you'll be safe at a bar if no one carries a gun. If you make it illegal to carry a gun where alcohol is served, everything will be fine. Now, I know that doesn't work. I know that's not accurate. And there's a a very good chance uh, that uh, Mike is right. But how do you stop this without making other people vulnerable? How do you prevent... Incidents like this that happened in Maine without opening up Pandora's box and making everybody vulnerable. Because if, if you, you know, start banning weapons, well, those are the ones the bad guys are going to have. I don't think it's going to be easy. I, I don't think it's stoppable. It happens in other countries, by the way. I know that the, the mainstream media and the Democrats are going to try to pretend that this is an American problem by a long shot, but it's not. It happens all over the world and in most places more often than here. We are not the leading, you know, country for mass shootings. So how do you stop it? What's the secret? Some people like red flag laws. I don't particularly care for red flag laws. Because you run the risk of, of disarming and making vulnerable somebody um, without having any proof that uh, owning a firearm is dangerous. Excuse me. Are we getting to the... Uh, Yes. All right. Here's the press conference on the shooting in Maine. And we'll uh, we'll see what details emerge. The last I heard, they don't know where he's at. He drove a few miles away, abandoned his vehicle. He could be, you know, if his, his trick. Oh, here we go. Thank you for being here. You may notice my voice is a little hoarse uh, after working through the night. 
as you all know, uh, last night, locals, county, state, and federal law enforcement officers from around the state of Maine responded to reports of an active shooter at several locations in Lewiston, including spare time recreation <clears throat> and Shenangues Park and Grove. These law enforcement officers, in the face of danger, responded swiftly, selflessly, and with great bravery. Bravery that they continue to demonstrate today as they search tirelessly for a person of interest in connection with those kinds of events. On behalf of all Maine people, I express my deep gratitude for your response and for your continued service. I also do so for Maine's hospitals and other medical emergency responses, responders. I'm profoundly saddened to stand before you today and report that 18 people lost their lives and 13 people injured in last night's attacks. In memory of those we lost and in honor of those who were injured, President Biden and I have ordered all U.S. flags and state of Maine flags to be lowered to half staff immediately for the next five days. Maine State Police have issued a shelter-in-place order for Lewiston, Lisbon, and Bowdoin as the manhunt for that person of interest, Robert Card of Bowdoin, continues. I will let law enforcement speak to the ongoing manhunt and to their investigation. But Mr. Card is considered armed and dangerous, and police advise that Maine people should not approach him under any circumstances. I continue to strongly urge Maine people to follow the direction of state and local law enforcement amid this ever-changing situation. Please, if you see anything suspicious, please call 911. There are still many things we don't yet know about these attacks, <clears throat> but the full weight of my administration is behind law enforcement's efforts to capture the person of interest, Robert Card, to hold whoever is responsible for this atrocity accountable under the full force of state and federal law, and to seek full justice for the victims and their families. We are, we cannot, and we will not rest in this endeavor. My administration is <clears throat> coordinating closely with local, regional, and federal officials to respond to this shooting. Brian, we're not going to get any details from the governor. Biden. She's just going to bloviate about how, you know, we're yeah, pretty much. Them. So let's uh, do a quick break and then come back, see if we can catch uh, the police response to this. The Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. It is 9.51, and uh, let's go right to that uh, press conference in Maine on the shooting. Pain off your hearts, off your shoulders, but I promise you this. We this will is the governor. She's been bloviating since we went to break. I ask Maine people to join me in offering our comfort to the families and friends who have lost someone and in offering our prayers for swift recovery for those who are healing in Maine's hospitals today. Information to the Lewis 
I'm going to turn it over to Commissioner Sasha. Thank you very much, Governor. Uh, we certainly appreciate your support. The city of Lewiston does, uh, the state of Maine, and certainly our first responders. We feel that uh, love uh, every day. Uh, and thank you very much for that. I, I would also say that we want to say thank you to a really a large number of other elected officials across our state, whether that's uh, the federal delegation, uh, local elected officials, uh, and many others uh, that are part of organizations or law enforcement agencies uh, that truly wanted to this join is us Mike today. At this he is the Maine Department of Safety uh, Commissioner. to speak on behalf of their communities. Uh, and as the governor had mentioned and uh, everybody else will reiterate, uh, our reality for today is that this, this suspect is still at large. And we want to provide uh, community support uh, for the victims, for the families, uh, in the communities uh, across the state. Uh, but we also have an incredibly strong laser-like focus on bringing this suspect into custody and ultimately to justice. So because of that mission for this particular event and today's activities, uh, we're keeping uh, the list of speakers and the agenda pretty tight. Uh, and that will include uh, next uh, up at the podium would be uh, Chief Dave St. Pierre uh, from the city of Lewiston. Uh, and some other members of his command staff are present. Uh, what I will say to the city of Lewiston, and you know this because you feel it every day, uh, but you're lucky to have uh, a chief like uh, Chief uh, St. Pierre and his entire... People are looking for information about how to protect themselves up there. And this guy is... What is it with these politicians? Last night and into today. And they're doing it for the right reasons. They do it because they care. Uh, so the city of Lewiston and truly our co-responder family across the state of Maine is lucky uh, to, have, to have Dave and his team uh, in the mix uh, with us. Uh, and we're also going to hear from Colonel William Ross from the Maine State Police. Uh, and Bill will highlight some of the timeline uh, things that you're probably uh, uh, concerned about and certainly interested in from a story perspective. Uh, so the colonel will come up and speak to that. And we'll also have uh, Jody Cohen, and Jody is the special agent in charge for the FBI out of the Boston field office. Uh, and Jody will highlight some of those federal partnerships and some of the things that our federal partners are bringing to the table, bringing to bear to help this is us. like a publicity uh, We also have a bunch of stunt. people here. Uh, once you start naming people, you're going to have a problem because you're going to forget somebody or screw something up. But uh, I would also an tell you that banquet our dinner, uh, speech. Here. Uh, Kevin Neal, uh, he was the U.S. Marshal for the District of Maine. We also have James Ferguson uh, and Jim. You understand there are people up there who are terrified. Field don't know where this guy uh, is, where it's safe, along with the FBI. and they're listening to this. Uh, we can't thank them enough. Uh, all for right, all here we go. Let's change here. We, I would also tell you that the main uh, uh, police chief is uh, a brief Q and A. Uh, stepping up to the try to get some of those questions the out there. We appreciate your time, your patience, your professionalism, your partnership, and getting this information out. Uh, I would think that those questions are going to be brief uh, because, again, we do have a suspect at large. And while you can help us with that, we also need to get back to our teams to push forward on that. So with that in mind, uh, I will be back up to the podium to kind of steer that a little bit. Uh, but for starters, I would like uh, Chief St. Pierre to join us. Thank you. Thank you, Director Sashuk, um, and welcome media, media partners, um, and thank you, Governor Mills, for those kind words. Uh, I'm going to keep this short. Um, what I would like the very most is to express our deepest sympathies to the families and friends of the victims in, of this heinous crime. This is truly a, tra a tragedy that goes beyond comprehension. I'm confident in our community 
that our community has and will continue to come together throughout this endeavor to bring this to a successful conclusion. Although difficult, I do ask the public to continue to be mindful of their own personal safety and also that they be patient with the process as much as possible. There is extensive work and attention to detail that goes into such a large-scale investigation. I'm confident in the expertise and professionalism of our investigators and all law enforcement officials that are currently involved. This is an all-hands-on-deck approach. We have a great deal of collaboration and resources that have been made available to us. There are far too many to name individually, uh, but I think uh, Director Sasha uh, named quite a few appropriately. Um, there are far too many, as I stated, but they are all appreciated more than you know. I want to thank all of our brave men and women of the Lewiston Police Department, Fire Department staff, medical personnel. They're not giving any information that, that people need to know that they're going together. to be safe in those communities. They're just patting themselves the on the back. To an end. We hope to locate and hold the person accountable. Um, I think you'll hear next from uh, the state police who is uh, taking the lead in this investigation, although that we are working hand-in-hand -hand with them, I think... Uh, Colonel, Colonel William Ross from the Maine State Police is up next. Hopefully, he has some real information. Thank you, Chief. Um, first and foremost, this is an ongoing homicide investigation and search for the person that is responsible for it. We're in the early stages of this investigation. And uh, I just want to let you know we will have updates. We'll be putting some type of a schedule out uh, later on. But again, early stages of a homicide investigation. We want to be careful that we're doing things correctly. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Um, I'm going to give you a, a bit of a timeline here to kind of fill in some of the blanks and give you some of the facts if, as we know them right now. Um, a lot of this information will then be transferred to the Attorney General's office as they will be the lead prosecutor, uh, again, in any homicide investigation. Last night, uh, October 25th at approximately 6.56 p.m., the Auburn Communications Center received a 911 call of a male shooting in just-in-time or the spare time um, recreation center uh, in the town of Lewiston, located at 24 Mollison Way in Lewiston. All right, I give up. Uh, Shortly, they're just... If you were waiting to see if it was safe to go outside, uh, by the time you got through this, uh, uh, it's useless. Uh, we're going to change directions, and uh, we are going to chat with Patrick Ishmael. He's the Director of Government Accountability at the Show Me Institute, and we will talk about this, uh, and, and I hadn't, uh, I'm not really all that familiar with it, social emotional learning standards in Missouri. That's next on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show 